Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me Oh, 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 high story Oh, oh, oh high story I okay. can definitely bring it home, so I'm gonna close this. Good, and okay. And mine's on. like mine's like long, but not like extensively long. I'm ready to hear a story. Yeah, it's super exciting because all these ladies are very badass. But I am gonna focus on a very specific lady who literally just said, Oh, only men are allowed to do this. Uh-uh. And like paved away for women in aviation. And flying, which is so sick. And just being a badass lady. So telling you about this group from World War II that was created by Jacqueline Cochran. Are you shitting me? She's lived such an awesome life. And she created this organization group, whatever, called WASP. W-A-S-P. Yes. Some people called it The WASP. So I don't know if it needed a the in front of it or it was just like WASP. So it's an acronym for Women Air Force Service Pilots. And that is exactly, yep, how it sounds. Ladies who during World War II volunteered slash got chosen to fly planes during World War II and got zero recognition for it for like 40 years, 40, 50 years, even 60 for a president to recognize them. So fucking A. Backstory, Miss Jacqueline. Her real name is Bessie Lee Pittman. Wow. That is, I think, why she chose to change That's it. That's a name. Yeah. Bessie Lee. Bessie Lee. She was born in Pensacola in, on the Florida Panhandle, but she ends up moving just to Georgia. She's the youngest of five children, and I just, like, could not keep this little fact out of there. For some reason, her entire life, she told everyone that she was adopted, even though it was, like, wildly inaccurate and not true. And she was, like, 100% the product of her married family and whatever. But she insisted that she was adopted. And then later in life, when she got sick of telling people that, she started telling people that she was an orphan that grew up in a foster home. What the fuck? I don't know why that is something that she felt the need. I don't know if she wanted to be more like approachable or like, I was an underdog. That's true. Yeah, but she honestly lived a very modest life. It wasn't like anything spectacular. But when she was only 13, she married this guy named Robert Cochran. And that 13, yeah. Thanks for those. 13. Wait, what year is this? 1930. Okay. No, 19. And she was 13? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, she was, it was like the mid 1930s. Probably soon after. It didn't specify, but, but like 13, 14 or 14, 15. She got pregnant and had a child. Though the son at the age of five does end up dying. I, I bet I could have found out how. It, I didn't, we don't need to talk about it going into the details. A few years later, she was like, yeah, fuck this Robert guy and divorced him, but then kept the last name Cochran. And then it doesn't really say why or how, but she just decided to have people start calling her Jacqueline or Jackie. Okay. Like Jackie was her like new name. This next part proves that women can and do whatever the fuck they want or put their minds to because after she divorced her husband and said, bye-bye, see you later, do whatever, she went and became this like renowned hairstylist and after like doing like a few odd jobby places all over like the southern u.s she went and got herself a job on Saks fifth avenue in new york okay in like the 30s that is like the place to be the place to fucking be and she became this like renowned lady there and like did a bunch of shit like what did she do like a fashion she was like a hairdresser oh hairdresser okay yeah oh my fucking 
Yeah, she was a professional hairdresser on Saks Fifth Avenue, which is insane. She started making a name for herself and became very well off. So she started helping out her family that she apparently is from adoption. Right, her adoptive parents. Yeah, so her adoptive parents, which no fucking clue what's going on. So she was a hairdresser for five years after all that happened. She just decided to become a pilot one day out of the blue because she took a ride in an aircraft for like 30 fucking minutes. So she did that and then went on and like broke all these records and became the fucking like best pilot. Yeah. Yeah. All from her just being like, oh, pilot would be pretty cool. That'd be fun. It would get me off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So So she got her license in just three weeks. It took her three weeks to get her pilot license. That doesn't seem okay. That was super fast. Okay. She did get her commercial pilot license, which I did look. It averages two years and she did it like just shy of two years. So she was like... Oh, so flying like a little dinky solo plane is different than flying. Yes. So you get your license. I can't believe it. Basically like a car license and then to do like commercial flying, it's like a commercial D, like a new license. She did all that shit. Also the fucking crazy thing is, so she's not only doing her own thing, getting her pilot license and all this crazy shit she's creating her own line of cosmetics from scratch but marilyn monroe endorsed her <gasps> that's cool she endorsed her lipstick of all things which is like which is like her signature uh, yeah oh yes she endorsed her lipstick and you know what the, her cosmetics name was wings to beauty like so like wings, a nod like to line, the like wings to beauty yeah like her like pilot, a nod yeah. to the av okay, yeah okay, to like okay, her okay. being a pilot and this actually became like a really well-known cosmetic line all through pretty much like until she retired like she had like a huge stint for, of it for a while is it called mary Kay? no it was called wings to beauty i'm kidding okay Killing so it. while she's doing this cosmetic thing she becomes the first woman to complete hey take a bong hit I think I need one. Okay. So she becomes the first woman to compete in the Bendix transcontinental air race. Very cool. What year? uh, Do you have a year for when this is happening? So that was 1935. She's the first woman ever. So basically they would fly from like California to Ohio. And then for like a few years, they did all the way from California to New York. And she won this really cool trophy and $15,000, which I had to say $15,000 in 1935. How much do you think that is? Holy shit, how much money is that now? Tell me. $275,000. God damn. You looked it up. I'm so happy. I saw $15,000 and I was like, I should have. And I was like, that's a long time ago. And think of like that inflation fucking eight. She also, during this time, worked with Amelia Earhart to make sure that that race was open up for women going forward. Okay. So she kind of, like, weaseled her way in, and then was like, women can do whatever the fuck they want. If, like, if men can do it, we can, we should be able to. We can do it like, bleeding. By 1938, the entire United States pretty much was in agreement that she was the best female pilot they have ever seen. She... Okay, but best pilot, or best... Best female pilot. Because at that time... Yeah. And it's it was important. always like, you can do it because you're a girl. So she, well, she obviously won the race I was talking about. She set a new transcontinental speed record at that race. So she flew, she was the fastest person to ever fly from like point A to point B. What? So as well as altitude record. 
Worlds. So she flew the highest and the fastest, pretty much. She was just like a badass lady. She also was the first woman to ever fly a bomber across the Atlantic. She won five trophies. They're called the Harmon Trophies, which are aviation trophies, basically, for being like a badass pilot. You get these trophies and like recognition. So she got all this fucking shit by the time she was, let's see, she's probably like literally not Mm. even 25. She's doing all this shit. Oh, so she would have been. Makes me feel like a real big old pile of shit. Yeah, she's she's young. She's like definitely under 30, which is insane, which is so insane. Before the U.S. entered World War II, Thank um, you. she was part of this organization called Wings for Britain, which basically, because Britain at this time was involved in the war. Right, right, right. Of course. So the U.S. would make these American-built aircrafts, and she was part of this organization that would shuttle them, or fa- they called it ferrying. They mm-hmm. would ferry them, so they would fly them all the way to Britain to, de- like, deliver them. Wow. So we would make the planes. These this group of women, Wings of Britain, was an all female group. Okay, they would take all the planes that were finished, fly them across the ocean, oh drop my them God. off, and like give them to Britain to use. You never think like who delivers the planes yeah. to the country. These women. Like, well, and think about. It, I was like, when they ship them, it's like, well, duh. Think of like how long it would take and how terrible oh, it would be so to like long. ship Like on them. the sea. Yeah. No, dude. That's not, not gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a thing. No fucking clue. And then she did that for a while. And then once she came back to the U.S., she wanted to create a similar program just for the U.S. Because things were starting to progress mm-hmm. in the war. And she was like, what we're doing for Britain, we need to ne- do for ourselves. And right. be able to shuttle planes throughout the U.S., air tanks, bombers, all that shit. So she had this whole idea, had this whole proposal, and it gets fucking denied. The government's like, no, 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 no. We don't need you. Like, blah, 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 whatever. So she was super pissed because then this other lady, Nancy, who was married to this rich dude who was friends with all the governors and all the people, he helped her create this really similar group called WAFs. W-A-F-S. So female instead of what? Women Auxiliary Ferrying Squadron. Oh, okay. So it was like a squadron that was female women that would ferry. Specifically for ferrying purposes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it's pretty much what Jackie wanted to create, but Jackie just... Just when you thought you couldn't grow up and be a fairy. Yeah, you became one. You really can. Yes. So Jackie's group focused on that, but also focused on a lot of other things. It was just like more all encompassing. Jackie didn't give up and finally got her proposal approved, which created the Women's Flying Training Detachment, which focused more so on training female pilots to be versed in all different planes, all different settings, and train them how to be like basically like awesome aviation. That's so cool. Yeah. Fucking cool shit. And then she was just like, fuck you, Nancy, and took over Nancy's group and literally convinced the government to be like, I need my group and I want to take that girl's group and make one big group Mm -hmm. and I want to be in charge of it. And they said, yeah. And they were like, yep. Jackie was the director of training division and then she did take Nancy on board and Nancy became the director of the ferrying division. Mm -hmm. Because regardless of like this whole little coral banter thing, Nancy was a bomb ass pilot and Jackie obviously was like, get over here, girl. Like, let's get over here, girl. Let's (laughs) do some piloting. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm sure that's how it went back in the day. (laughs) So because obviously, or like they were not even forever, the WASP only lasted from August of 1943 to December 1944. Sad. That was like peak 
wartime yeah. that we needed them for. So what their responsibilities were, which basically were all due to Jackie and Nancy. Some of their responsibilities included ferrying new planes long distances from factories to military bases and departure points across the country. They also tested newly overhauled planes. This one's fucked up. So they towed targets behind them while they flew to give ground and air gunners target targets. practice. What? That is what they were used for. Let's just shoot the women out of the sky. With live fucking ammunition. Not even like, yeah, they would basically, yes, use them as target practice in the sky. It's really fucked up. Yeah, I hated that part, but I had to put it in here. Basically, at one point, the government wanted to make WASP a part of the Army Corps, but the ladies were like, nah, 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 we don't, like... (laughs) No, no, no. We're good. By ladies, I mean Jackie and Nancy. They were just like, not about it. Because they thought that it was going to diminish what they started and they would have less control over mm-hmm. like the group that they wanted it to be. You know? Right. And it would be something that turned into something that they didn't want. But... In my opinion, I think that backfired because the war ended, the group was disbanded, and then it was roughly 1,100 ladies did not receive a single recognition or veteran status. They literally were just expected to go back to their lives. Okay, but were they paid? Everything I saw online said volunteer. Wow. Because think about you weren't paid to be in the army. Right. You know? Well, they put you up. I mean... Yeah, and I think they had, like, barracks, and they had, like, training places, and they they got, like, clothes and a, maybe, like, a small stipend, I would assume, mm-hmm. you know, for, like, personal things. But, yeah, literally, the group disbanded, and everyone was just like, cool, thanks, bye. Wow. You really helped us out here. Thank you. And people just, like, went back to doing what they were doing before they became, like, a pilot. Which so is being, so- what, mothers, housekeepers, yep. yeah. A lot of women were mothers of young children, and a lot, yeah, a lot of women were, like, hairdressers. Worked in classical female roles. Yep, nurse it, things like that, you know. But and they all left those because they heard about this group and they were like, I'm gonna go fucking do some shit, make a name for myself. And then, of course, like, no names get made and and everyone gets forgotten, which is, like, so terribly sad. Because, like, and these ladies did, they would have, like, try to host large reunions and had, like, groups and stuff that they were, like, pen pal situation, things like that. But sadly, eventually, it just kind of, like, died out and people, like, stopped coming Mm -hmm. and just, you know, people just forgot. They were just like, oh, whatever. This is, like, It was old news. Yeah, this was just something I did for, like, a year and a half and then... Well, that's really fucking cool, dude. Good yeah. job. That was the end of Wasp, but I just want to tell you some things that Cochrane did afterwards because oh. she still continued. To kick ass. Yes! Fuck yeah. Literally, until she died. She was just... Just <laughs> never wanted to quit. So, the war ended... Cochran was hired by a magazine to report on global post-war events. And in this role, she witnessed the Japanese general, I'm going to butcher this name, Tomoyuki Yamashita's surrender in the Philippines. So okay. he was like the leader during all like the terrible World War II stuff. And she first single-handedly witnessed him surrendering and getting literally like incarcerated. Wow. And she went to Germany and attended all the Nuremberg trials and got to report on them. Damn. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Very cool. So she did a bunch of cool shit. The biggest thing that I couldn't really fact check, I wasn't quite sure. I just saw it once and it was, Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate it was, but she was more than likely, this is what it said. She was more than likely the first woman air pilot in the United States Air Force. I believe, yeah. So, because she joined the Air Force after Mm -hmm. that and 
they aren't for sure, but they're pretty sure that she is the first woman to ever join the Air Force, which is so cool. As a product of a woman who was in the Air Force. Yeah. That's yeah. Really it's super cool. Yeah. And then after all that shit, in the 60s, she was part of this thing called the Mercury 13 program, mm-hmm. which I could literally do. It would be so it's easy own to topic. do topic, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because it's such a cool program. It's this program that I've never heard about. And they, like, test women for being, like, female astronauts. And it was this program that was trying to bring women into NASA and, like, get them involved in, like, being astronauts. Yeah, it was just really cool. She did that stuff, and it was all nice and amazing. This is another quote that, like, so before the 60s, 1953, she was the first woman to break the sound barrier. So, yeah. At the time of her death, no other pilot held more speed, distance, or altitude records in aviation history. That was really good. It was really cool, yeah. A round of applause for you. My chick, yeah, she predates that. I do have one more, like, fact about WASP, the program. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 2009 when President Obama was in office and he assigned them, awarding them a Congressional Gold Medal. Very cool. Which is so cool. And thank you yet again, It literally took 65 years. And I want to say it was, like, three. Yeah, three of the 100 women that are still alive. Mm Mm-hmm could attend that was it wow out of like the totaling over 1100 people or like women that did this it took three out of the 100 (laughs) that were alive nuts super nuts now when you think of like a murderous fall animal or insect you can think of not an animal these badass ladies dope so that was my topic well similarly to you i'm gonna plow through here and tell you about nelly bly which was actually your suggestion so don't act too surprised so we're gonna back up a little bit further than you nelly bly was born elizabeth jane cochran in may of 1864 in a suburb of pittsburgh pennsylvania i couldn't find much information on her mother, but her father seemed to be a hell of a dude. He immigrated originally from Ireland and has a total of 15 children. What? Okay, spanning from two different marriages. He was a hardworking man. And not just in the bedroom. He started as a laboring mill worker and then ended up having to buy the mill just because he could, which was pretty cool. And it's surrounding property where he could go. He would go on to become a merchant, a postmaster, and associate justice. I mean, and you gotta time. feed those 15 right. mouths. Um, so now, and then the suburb was actually renamed after him and it's called Cochran's Mill. What? So this is pretty dope. I love this. As a young girl, Elizabeth was often called Pinky because she's so frequently wore that color. As she became a teenager, she wanted to portray herself as more sophisticated, and so she dropped the nickname and changed her surname to Cochrane. Or Cochrane. Sorry. So she just added an E onto the end. It's like Cochrane. Wait, I'm sorry. In her teens, she just changed her fucking last name? Yeah. She was like, I want to be fancier and more sophisticated. I don't want to be pinky. I don't want to be derpy. You can do that? Call me Cochrane now. It's 1800s. Who gives a fuck? And then in in 1879, she did, as so many of us do, she enrolled in school. And then she was super broke and had to drop out after one semester. Yeah. After this, her mother, who, again, I couldn't find too much on, moved the family to Pittsburgh, like, into the city. Or Elizabeth read an article article in a local newspaper arguing that women's main function was to keep a household and to have children to which she responded under the pseudonym lonely orphan girl 
Okay. The editor was so impressed with the response that he ran an ad the next day asking the author to identify themselves. When the two met, he asked that she maintain her choice of pseudoname so that she could write freely and passionately about women and women's issues. Thank God. This guy. This guy, right? His name was George Madden. That you were ahead editor. of your times, man. Exactly. Well, he's like, also like kind of shitty, but. We'll oh, get he gets that. shitty? I Damn. I'm not shitty, but just like. He's I'll be definitely a, judge. a dude. For example, her first article discussed divorce and its effects on women, a topic seldomly addressed in that day and age. Is her mom and dad still married? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Because you just said her mom moved them to the city. Did well, right. That's what Wikipedia said. Oh. Yeah. Maybe dad didn't come with. So yes, this have so right, her first article was about divorce and its effects on women. Crazy taboo. Impressed again, George Madden, the editor, offered her a full-time gig at the Pittsburgh Dispatch and Ooh. thus began her kick-ass career in journalism. And women journalists were encouraged to use a pen name at that time. Madden originally wrote Nellie Bly after the black title character in a popular song, Nellie Bly by Stephen Foster. Oh. She preferred this spelling N-E-L-L-Y like the original spelling but Madden no Madden just fucked up and wrote N-E-L-L-I-E and so like that was her name oh my god I honestly I honestly thought you were going to tell me that it was because Nellie N-E-L-L-Y oh it was like oh no 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 her name was Nellie Bly spelled differently than the Stephen Foster song so tell me what she did so her career at the Pittsburgh Dispatch was intense and illuminating. She focused most of her early career on investigative journalism, but diving into the world of women factory workers specifically. Oh. However, her expose ruffled a few feathers amongst multiple factory owners and managers, and so Madden reassigned her to a better suited, quote-unquote, women-focused piece. Oh my god. And it was cheeky shit, like fashion and gardening, and quickly weaseled her way into a foreign correspondent position? What? Guess how old she was at this time. (gasps) Let me guess, let me guess. 19? 21. Basically the same. Oh, you're a child. She was determined to do something no girl had ever done before, and she packed her bags for Mexico. Okay? Wait, what? Yeah, because she was now a foreign correspondent position. Wow, so she was just, like, moving to Mexico. She went to Mexico. So while there, Bly immersed herself in the culture. She wrote about Mexican people, Mexican food, and Mexican customs, spending a total of six months in the country. She ruffled feathers again, though, but this time on an authoritative level. One of her reports protested the imprisonment of a local journalist for criticizing the Mexican government and so the Mexican government got involved. They threatened to arrest her, forcing her to flee the country and later write a piece accusing Diaz of being a tyrannical czar who not only suppressed the Mexican people, but also controlled the press. (laughs) She's a bat. Like, people still have a hard time to this day doing that. Exactly. People die for that shit. Yeah. It's like, I can't believe this woman lived this fucking life. So she comes back to the States from being in Mexico. Uh, After she wrote the piece, she landed herself in some hot water, obviously. So she got pushed back to reporting on theater and arts. Is she still in Pittsburgh? No, no, no. At this point, she's in New Jersey, I believe. Oh, Hoboken, New Jersey. So after she wrote the piece about Mexico and landed herself in some hot water with the authorities. She got pushed back to theater and arts reporting. She soon grew bored and left the dispatch in 1887. 
heading to New York City. Okay. So this is when she's going to New York. She struggled immensely to get settled, but after about four months, managed to sweet talk her way into the office of Joseph Pulitzer. Ring any bells? Pulitzer Prize. Yup. Shut up. And he worked at the New York World at this time, and so she took an undercover assignment. She would. Yep, she would pretend to suffer from mental illness, also called insanity at that time, in order to uncover numerous reports of brutality and neglect allegedly plaguing the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island. Great name for an establishment that helps people. Or just like Women's Lunatic Asylum. Well, think about it was not until 1986. Wow. That insane asylums and like mass housing for adults with disabilities like mental hospitals Mm -hmm. were forced to shut down in the united states so yeah it was honestly just a long process to get admitted to the asylum she first had to check herself into a boarding house which is similar to a modern day women's shelter and then proceeded to have multiple but fake outbursts she namely just claimed with wide eyes that everyone else around her was insane she made mild threats about other crazy people to the assistant matron one evening and ended up scaring her and the other boarders so much that the police were called. So after an officer, a judge, and a doctor all agreed that she was quote-unquote unstable, Fly was hauled off to Blackwell's Island, just as planned. Unfortunately, with her master plan came the deplorable reality of the facility firsthand. Nellie suffered from abuse, neglect, and other varying forms of physical and mental trauma. But the results of this story would yield something even more powerful than the terrors she endured. After the piece was published, Detective, also referred to as stunt journalism, took off running. This new genre waved over the industry, crashing down all of the classic methods of reporting. Bly set the bar high and provided women with their first collective opportunity to demonstrate that as a class, they had the skills necessary for the highest level of general reporting. These quote-unquote stunt girls, as they would become known, with Bly as their Muse were the first women to enter the journalistic mainstream in the 20th century. Wait, how did she get out of this asylum? She got out. I don't know. She just like, oh, I guess you need to stop pretending to be crazy. Yeah, she got better. I'm just curious about like how she got out. Follow-up question. Or like how long was she in there? That's true. It did not say. Wikipedia did not tell me that. No. And I should have looked deeper. Oh, 10 days. She was there for 10 days because that's what it's called. 10 days in a... Okay. I have to say, she's fucking lucky she got out in 10 days because sometimes you get put in an insane asylum and then you're like, I'm better. They're like, you're even more crazy than you were before. Yeah. Actually, we made you this. Okay. So 10 days. 10 days. And she endured all that fucking shit in 10 days? Yes. She endured... Oh, everything. Like, literally, electroshock therapy, fucking water therapy... Fucking just so much and like neglect, like no meals, no, no consistent food, like no nourishing sure, food. Like, yeah, yeah like it was sure not access to like bathrooms, right? And, oh right. My God. Monitored bombs, like all this shit. They would like line people with disabilities up in a big gym, and they would like use like a fire hose and give them shower and have like group showers. Oh my god, terrible, okay. terrible. Okay. Oh, they arranged for her release. Okay, that makes sense. So basically, the newspaper came in and was like, yep. shut this shit down. And though she was uh, sorry about the suffering of the women, she was eager to write about what she had seen. 
So she got out, she wrote this fucking story, all this shit happened, and then she did more things? You know she did. Because then, why would ladies after an editor jokingly suggested that she take a trip around the world, turning the fictional novel Around the World in 80 Days into a fact, well, just two damn days later, with a dress, a coat, some extra panties in her bag, and a small tote of essential toiletries, she took off to go around the world. So she dismissed any competition or doubters like people that said they could do it faster or you should do it faster like she wasn't in it for that she was totally in it for the experience for like the the and the adventure yeah and, and the idea like, of like going around and seeing the world and exactly she literally and it brings it back to that statement she said when she was like 19 that she just wanted to do something that had never been done before my god and no at this point no one had ever gone around the world like that it was always no like a fabrication yeah. in a novel yeah and like people would definitely come quickly after that would do it faster and do yeah. it better or oh, whatever of course. she took off to go around the world so she had no time limit she was just, just doing wanted it to see, wanted to do her thing some editors taunted her back in New York taking quote unquote bets from readers about her expected arrival time down to the second in order to win prizes such as a free trip to Europe. People were literally what just like fuck? taunting her. But Nellie took her damn time. She ventured all over Europe and through parts of Asia, sending back occasional reports of her progress. She traveled mainly via steamships and the railroads, which caused their own slew of setbacks. But after a trip across the Pacific, Bly ended up in San Francisco, where old friend Pulitzer chartered a private train to bring her back to New Jersey. Shot the trip off. took her 72 two days in total the first record set in the world just when you thought it couldn't get any better so she's 31 years old she's already done all this dope shit yeah she goes off and marries a fucking millionaire and we're talking i'm talking a millionaire in 1895 yes this is what you yes this is the number this is the number so tell me how much a million dollars is in 1895 okay he was 73 she was 31 (laughs) When they got married. And obviously his health was failing. And so she left journalism behind to step in. Is about $30 million. Yep. So a multi-millionaire. Plus 3.1 million dollars. Damn. So yeah, She's she left. Cookie. Oh God, she's fucking brilliant. But he got sick and so she left journalism behind to step in as the CEO for his company, which was called Ironclad Manufacturing. How sick was he when she married him? Yeah, what, we're what, not gonna. I was gonna say what did what, what Let's happened? just say he ended up dying in 1904. But she really Slipple, leaned into her role as groups. the head of the company and an inventor. And it is rumored that Bly invented the barrel. So there's that. The what? She also, the barrel, like a barrel that holds like liquids and shit. Barrel. What? She what? patented that? Well, she didn't patent that. She all, I, the next sentence is that she also had several other patents pending. One of her factory managers yeah. was embezzling from her. Ooh. So she had to declare bankruptcy in terms of the company, not personally. So yeah, so he's dead. She's rich now still though, like living off of Oh his... yeah, because she filed company bankruptcy, but she right. still But has, personally, like, she network. was still very well off. She's soaring. She went back into journalism. Uh, being one of the first women foreigners to visit the war zone between Austria and Serbia, where she was arrested for being mistaken as a British spy. 
Is this in World War One? Yes, this is World War One. Wow! I this... also covered the no. suffragist procession of 1913 under the headline "Suffragists Are Men's Superiors." Her parade story predicted that it would be 1920 before women in the United States would be given the right to vote. So yeah, she died at age 57 in New York City of pneumonia. Ooh, but she young. has. Yeah. But I guess back then. Well, right. I thought the same thing at first. I was like. Oh my god, that's not. But she fucking got married. She did all that shit before she was 30. Well, and think about back then, literally a hundred years ago, when you were 60 years old, you were ancient. Yeah. And now people are living in like 120s and shit. But yeah, so she holds numerous honors and awards. Obviously, she fucking worked for the Pulitzer, like the Pulitzer. And she had a damn Broadway musical written about her. No way. Yeah. Nellie Guess how much we did uh, not learn about that. So that's Nellie Bryce. She's fucking badass. I thank you for telling me about cool. her. I, every twist and turn of her life, she just got better. Tune in next week for Untold High Stories. Stories about women while we're high. And a little drunk. <laughs>